and we do this by ingesting an enormous amount of data from audio, video, betting data, play-by-play, social, a variety of other types of data, 14 or 15 different types of data. And we analyze every moment of every play by every player, create a subjective mapping of excitement. And by subjective, I mean from the vantage point of the home fan, away fan, or neutral fan. And this is this metadata mapping, this DNA of excitement of a match is really what powers our products. Welcome to the Sports Business Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Berger. You can find the Sports Business Radio Podcast over 14 years, 500 episodes featuring conversations with people like Mark Cuban, David Stern, Jeannie Buss, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, and Kyrie Irving on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. We're ranked in the top 100 of the business news podcast section on iTunes. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter at SB Radio. We've been named a top 50 followed by Forbes.com for three consecutive years and on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. Well, thanks for joining us this week. My guest on this week's podcast is Wayne Sieve. He is the executive vice president of a company called Thuz, T-H-U-U-Z. They're doing some pretty incredible things with using AI, capturing fan engagement, and putting together video highlights. They have something called the Fox Sports World Cup Highlight Machine. This thing is going to blow you away when you hear about how they capture highlights in a matter of seconds and deliver those to you. I really think this is the way millennials are going to consume content in the future. Millennials want things on demand. They want things customized. And Thuz is at the cutting edge of that. So you're going to enjoy this conversation with Wayne Sieve on our show this week. I'm joined in studio by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing good. And uh, man, speaking of World Cup, we talked a little off air before. I'm just addicted to it. Like it's on right now in the studio, and I just can't. It's fascinating to me. I love World Cup every every time it comes around. And talking with Wayne, he talked a little bit about this uh, AI working with the highlight reel, and it's crazy how much on-demand content there is, and how instantly you can just make it custom to what you want. It's, it's fascinating. And it's interesting too because with a product like this that we're going to talk about, that Thuz has, and this Fox Sports World Cup highlight machine. You don't have to watch the whole game. Like you can say, catch me up to live and it'll bring you like the last few minutes of the game. And then it can give you any highlights that you may have missed. So I'm not saying it's going to hurt the broadcasters, but again, millennials want things on demand and they want the content they want when they want it. So whether it's show me all the penalty kicks in today's game or all the corner kicks or whatever it is, Pretty amazing tool, but I agree, Griggs. You know, it doesn't seem like because the U.S. isn't playing in the World Cup that it's hurt viewership here in the United States. I talked to lots of people that are still watching World Cup. We've seen Mexico upset Germany. We've seen some other teams. Iceland has done really well. So I think it's been exciting so far. It'll be interesting to see how it progresses. But uh, I've talked to a lot of people that are watching World Cup as well. One thing I want to ask you about. Did you watch U.S. Open? Yes, I did. And okay. it was, I was flipping back and forth because World Cup was on, too. Father's Day was basically in front of the TV, which I was in heaven. It was great. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I flipped back and forth. And uh, interesting U.S. Open on a very, very tough course. You didn't know what was going to happen. Well, so I've got several things to say about this. Uh, first of all, you know, the the big story coming out of it is that Phil Mickelson made a mockery of golf. (laughs) I mean, when Phil Mickelson walked off the course on Saturday and you saw that pool of media, it was basically like he committed murder on the golf course. And, you know, whether it was Joe Buck and Paul Azinger or the broadcasters at Fox, I thought that they blew that out of proportion so much. And, yes, there's the golf purists out of there. But you know what? Here's the bottom line. The USGA cooked that course. Yeah. Fans don't want to watch guys who are the best in the world struggle. And when you have people who have a winning score of over par, and the worst thing is this, Griggs, your TV network, your Fox, you're the USGA, you're trying to promote your game. When Tiger Woods, Jason Day, Rory McIlroy, Justin Spieth don't even make the cut at your tournament... And you don't have them on TV on the weekend, and you don't have them playing in galleries following four of the most popular players in golf, you screwed up. And 
USGA better be real happy that next year they're at Pebble Beach because <laughs> most people, most players like that course, fans like that course. Yeah. If they were going to cook a course again next year, I think there are players that would boycott. When you hear Ian Poulter say, did Bozo design this course? And I quote, Zach Johnson, who's a very reasonable person, got off the course on Saturday and said, we've lost the course. And that was his quote. That's a bad thing for golf. And again, you don't have to make it so people shoot 21 under par. But when you make the course, here's the stat that blew me away. And I can see where Phil Mickelson got really upset on Saturday. On Friday, he hits 13 of 14 fairways. Pretty good. Yep. He shoots a 77. (laughs) What does that tell you? It tells you that when you're trying to stick the green, and he's pretty good with a short game, you can't stick the green because the green is so cooked and it's set up like the little anthill at miniature golf that you can't keep the damn ball on the green. It rolls off because the greens are so hard and the undulations are crazy. So there's one thing to make a golf course hard. It's another thing to make it borderline unplayable. And I thought that the USGA made Shinnecock borderline unplayable. And when you remove the stars before they can even make the cut, that's a bad thing for golf. It's a bad thing for the USGA. There was a lot of criticism. Now, Brooks Kupka won the U.S. Open. And the crazy thing about him, Griggs, he's won three tournaments in his career. Two of them are the U.S. Open. He's back-to-back U.S. Open champion. Yep. He took home $2 million for winning the U.S. Open. Pretty good uh, weekend. Yeah. No, yeah, can't, can't complain with $2 million in a weekend. I'll take that. Man. So uh, we'll see what happens again. They're lucky they're going to Pebble Beach next year. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think the USGA did themselves any favors with the players, the fans, or if I'm Fox Sports. I bet you people like myself were tuning out for the most part because you're like, I can't watch this. Yeah. This this would be like me playing golf on a regular course. <laughs> no one wants to watch that. <laughs> Tune out. I don't want to watch <laughs> Tiger, Justin, Rory, Jason Day, Phil Mickelson, and others struggle. Last thing on Phil Mickelson, look, what he did was wrong. It borderline disrespected the game, but I could see how he got that frustrated. We've all been there. Anyone who's played golf, oh, yeah. we've all been there. And he took his two-stroke penalty, and he moved on. For the people saying, oh, Phil needs to be suspended, or he needs to withdraw, this is a gentleman's game, da-da-da, come on. Yeah. This is golf. It's a game. Let's not get too hoity-toity and carried away with ourselves. He had a moment of frustration if he said, I'm not taking the two-stroke penalty, or he made a huge divot in the green or something (laughs) like that. I can see how someone would go, well... That was pretty bad. But he went down, and and look, the USGA could have DQ'd him, right? Like, they could have said, well, the ball was still in motion, and he hit a ball while it was in motion, and they could have DQ'd him. And that would have been that. And I'm sure he would have taken his medicine and, and moved on. But I think he, like many of the golfers, was so frustrated, and he's like, I don't want to putt back and forth. This is like that anthill, yeah. that miniature golf. Where you're just like, oh my god, I'm just picking up my ball and going to the next <laughs> hole because I've been here for 15 minutes trying to get my ball to at least stay on the top of the mound, and you move on. And we've all played miniature golf and and had that experience too. So let's get over ourselves, golf purists, and say that in my opinion, the USGA screwed up. They overcooked the course. Don't do that again because it's not a winning combination for anyone. All right. Some other headlines from this week. This is an interesting one, Griggs. Jay-Z has been named the president of Puma Basketball. So in advance of this week's NBA draft, Puma has already signed first-round picks DeAndre Ayton, Marvin Bagley the third, and Zaire Smith to multi-year footwear and apparel deals. Uh, they signed Vince Carter in 1998 to a 10-year deal, but he only served two years of that. I think Skylar Diggins of the WNBA is also a Puma endorser. Rihanna is a Puma endorser. This is an interesting play, Greg. The first thing I thought of when I saw this, and I want to get your opinion, is Jay-Z has more money than God. (laughs) He is on tour. He produces. Like, 
why does Jay-Z need this? Like, why would he say, yeah, I'll be the president of Puma? And the only thing that could come to my mind was he wants to diversify what he does. And Puma had to have given him a piece of the company. Like, this isn't one of those deals where they go, hey, Jay-Z, you could be president and we're going to give you a few hundred thousand dollars. Like, he's probably saying, I need equity in Puma. And if they're... You know, a multi-million dollar company today, I want to make them a multi-billion dollar company through my relationships with people in entertainment and people in sports. Don't forget, he has Rock Nation Sports, so he represents players, too. Here's a guy that does sit in an interesting place. He has lots of access to people who are athletes and lots of people who are access you know, to entertainers like Rihanna. So he could blow this up. I think it comes down at the end of the day, though, to product. Like... Are the pros going to say, yeah, Puma is great for performance. It's really helping me. I'm going to ditch Nike and Adidas and the other shoes that have shown to have high performance. If, if someone came to you and said, hey, would you wear Puma? I'll pay you some money, but the performance may not be as high. Would you still take the money and, and sacrifice the performance? Jay-Z is an innovator. I mean, the guy has is, is been in front of everything he's been in part of. He's one of the first guys doing it. it way back to his fashion wear, way back in the day, rock wear and all that stuff. Right. One of the first rappers, it, music person to do you know, fashion. He's an innovator. So what I see with him signing with this Puma thing is that he sees Pumas on the rise. There's some changes. Obviously, they're not a massive, they're not Nike yet. Right. But they are growing. They're getting bigger athletes uh, across the board, you know. Uh, even Fowler, like with Fowler and golf, he's yeah, made Ricky Puma Fowler. golf. Yep. I mean, he is. And like you said, Rihanna, and he's got the music ties. So something tells me that he's got a good vibe for Puma. Puma's coming up, and Jay-Z wants a part of it. So if you're Nike or Adidas, are you nervous by this signing? Ah. Uh, I don't think uh, I don't think Nike and Adidas is really ever nervous right now. Yeah. But I think it's more competition. Like Under Armour has been has become more competition with with those guys. I think it's just you know it's a, it's it's more of an open market. It's not just uh, it's not a monopoly as much anymore as it used to be with Nike and Adidas. Well, and it's really interesting to me the thing that's changed in the last I'd say fifteen years is the fact that the shoe companies aren't just going after athletes. It yeah. used to be let's find the next Michael Jordan. Right. Let's find the next LeBron James. Now like Jordan Brand outfits Justin Timberlake for all of his concerts with Jordan brand shoes, Mm -hmm. right? We just talked about Puma and Rihanna. You know, you've got the Yeezys with Adidas. Yep. So, like, they're going after the fashion world is where, you know, pop culture. Um, It's interesting to see where this goes, but, you know, look, you're right. Adidas and Nike are huge. Tough to make a dent in the, the market that they have. But if anyone can come in and get a little bit of market share and take a bite out of what Nike and Adidas is doing, not, you know, make them go under, but take a little bit of bite, Jay-Z is a pretty influential (laughs) guy. So I I thought it was a really interesting hire. The only way I would have done it if I were him, though, is if they gave him a piece of the company. For sure. Instead of like, you know, a million dollars or even 10 million. Like, if I'm Jay-Z, that doesn't interest me. Money's nothing to him. Nothing. So I want creative control. I want final say on who I can go out and sign, whether it's an athlete or an entertainer. And I want a piece of the company so that if this thing does turn into a multi-billion dollar company one day, like I'm sitting pretty with my stock and I can say I was the person who helped turn this around. All right. Some big NBA news this week, Griggs. Everyone's been talking about LeBron, and we'll get to that in a minute. Where is he going to sign as a free agent? But on Friday of last week, word starts to surface that Kawhi Leonard's reps have said that he wants a trade from the Spurs. He's done in San Antonio, and his preferred destination is Los Angeles. And of the two teams in Los Angeles, he'd like to go to the Lakers. And everyone, there's a frenzy. Oh, my God. Could the Lakers sign Kawhi and LeBron, and this is going to be a super team, and they could add Paul George, so they could add George and LeBron via free agency. They could trade some of their young prospects and go get Kawhi. Now you're going to have this team that could really challenge the Golden State Warriors. Let's put on the brakes for a minute, (laughs) and let's start with this. First of all, Kawhi is under contract for another year with the Spurs, okay? So unless he decides to sign the Supermax, which is, by the way, five years, $219 million hmm. that he could sign that deal this offseason if they, they've got it in front of him. So, and meaning they, the Spurs, 
he could sign that and stay in San Antonio. But from all accounts, the relationship with the Spurs is pretty fractured for a number of reasons that we could spend an entire podcast on. Maybe we do that at another time. But the bottom line is this. The Spurs have him under contract for another year, so he has to play in San Antonio. They are not going to trade him to the Lakers. This is a Western Conference rival. Pop, Greg Popovich, the coach of the Spurs, he's not a huge fan of the Lakers. (laughs) He doesn't want to help them become a superpower. He's not going to trade them to the Lakers. Now, if Kawhi comes out and says... The only team I will sign with a year from now as a free agent is the Los Angeles Lakers. That could change things. But even then, Pop and R.C. Buford, the GM of the Spurs, they're probably going to go, you know what, that's great, Kawhi, but we're going to trade you to the team where we feel we're going to get the best deal. The problem with that is you're going to get pennies on the dollar because the team is going to go, I'm only renting Kawhi for a year. I have to hope that I can change his mind to sign here as a free agent a year from now. So I'll give you a little bit, but I'm not going to give you 85 cents on the dollar. I'm going to give you 50 cents on the dollar. (laughs) The teams that seem best positioned to acquire Kawhi Leonard would be the Boston Celtics or the Philadelphia 76ers. I think if Kawhi gets traded, he's going to go east. Boston has a plethora of young assets, and, and you could even... You know, if you decided Kawhi's, or not Kawhi, Kyrie Irving isn't going to sign with you a year when he's a free agent next summer, you could say, you know what, I'm going to trade Kyrie in this deal. But then the Spurs would have the same problem with Kyrie is if Kyrie is going to go to the New York Knicks or somewhere else a year from now, are you going to pay a full price for a guy that you're going to have for a year? Probably not. So, you know, an interesting term that's developed, and this is Jalen Rose and Bill Simmons, I'll give them credit. Pre-agency. So it's not free agency <laughs> with LeBron and uh, Paul George. They are now free agents. Pre-agency is guys like Kyrie, Le- Kyrie Irving and Kawhi Leonard who are going to be free agents a year from now. But like we saw with Paul George last year with Indiana Pacers, he said, look, Pacers, I am not going to re-sign with you a year from now. So the Pacers were left with... Do we hang on to Paul George and hope we can change his mind and get him to resign here? Or do we trade him while we can get some value for him now? And they traded him and they actually got pretty good value with Victor Oladipo and Sabonis. So pre-agency has become almost as big as free agency <laughs> because when the Kawhis of the world and the Kyrie Irvings come out and say, I'm not sure if this is where I'm going to stay, and not that Kyrie has said that officially yet, You have a decision to make as an organization. But the one thing I can promise you is, just like we saw with Indiana trading Paul George George out of the conference to OKC, I can't imagine the Spurs trading Kawhi Leonard to one of their Western Conference rivals, making that team better, and then having to go beat Kawhi and that team in the future. I think if you're going to see Kawhi traded, it's going to be to the Eastern Conference. Yes, maybe they have to meet him in the finals, but at least they don't have to face him in the Western Conference in their own conference for years to come. I would say Kawhi is getting really bad advice. Uncle Dennis, who (laughs) is taking over, kind of managing his life. You know, it's interesting. We had Michael Vick on the show last week, and Michael Vick talked about how he had some people around him that he needed to change the team. He wasn't getting the best advice. Now he's getting really good advice. I think Kawhi has gone the opposite direction. He used to have good agents around him. He got rid of them. Now Uncle Dennis is the one giving him advice, and I don't think he's getting good advice from Uncle Dennis. And, by the way, Kawhi could make $31 million more from the Spurs than anyone else by signing the five-year $219 million Supermax. I don't care what market he goes to. The Lakers the Knicks, wherever, you're not going to make up $31 million in endorsements in that market. And unless there's truly a distrust that exists now with the Spurs, I don't know why he would go back there. I guess the other thing that could factor into it would be, I'm not going to sign a five-year deal if Pop is telling people that he may be out as coach and retire in two years after the 2020 Olympics. So there's a lot of factors in play here. The last thing on on this is the LeBron free agency. So Griggs, betonline.com came out with the odds of where LeBron (laughs) is going to sign. Like, you can literally bet on where LeBron is going to sign. Here are the odds. 
Lakers are the favorites at minus 150, followed by the Sixers at plus 450, Cleveland Cavaliers plus 500, Boston Celtics plus 700, and you would have to think if he's going to Boston, Kyrie is either going back to Cleveland in a trade (laughs) or he's going somewhere else because I don't see Kyrie and and LeBron playing together in Boston. Houston Rockets plus 800, the Spurs at plus 1,600. I mean, wouldn't it be interesting if the Spurs like somehow convinced Kawhi? They're like, all right, Kawhi, we're going to make you happy. We're going to go out and get LeBron. You <laughs> talked about wanting to play with him in L.A. We're going to go bring LeBron here to San Antonio. And by the way, neither of you are going to have state income taxes to pay, whereas opposed in California, you're going to pay heavy taxes, and you get to play for a great coach and Pop, and LeBron has huge respect for Pop. So they're plus 1,600. The Clippers are plus 2,500. They could really clear the deck. LeBron has a lot of respect for Jerry West, who's now the head of basketball operations there. He has done business with Steve Ballmer, the owner, via Microsoft. I don't see Doc being the coach if LeBron comes in, because those two would clash and butt heads. And DeAndre Jordan and others would have to opt out of their contracts for LeBron to come in and bring the banana boat crew. But they're plus 2,500. The Miami Heat, plus 3,300. I don't see LeBron (laughs) going back to Pat Riley. I just don't. The the fact that they're 3,300, like I wish I could place a bet that said, I'll bet my life that he doesn't go back to Miami. (laughs) How about that? Yeah, there you go. And then the last on the list is the Golden State Warriors at plus 5,000. Now, before fans get excited... Basically, the Warriors would have to renounce the rights to everyone on their roster other than KD and Steph Curry in order to sign LeBron. So they'd probably have to play three on five for most of the season. It'd be a really good three with Steph Curry. And, I mean, you're probably not going to be able to re-sign Clay. You're not going to be able to re-sign Draymond. You're going to have no bench. You're going to have guys who have to play on the minimum surrounding LeBron, KD, and Steph Curry. So I don't see that happening. And, you know, LeBron's legacy, I think you'd just laugh at him at that point. You'd kind of go, well, gosh, LeBron, you know, you're going to join Steph and, and KD. And people can say, well, KD did it. But KD joined Steph and Clay and Draymond. But now you're joining a, a super, super, super team if you're LeBron. <laughs> so I just don't see that happening. Um, and then, you know, you can do the field for plus 500. So let's say he signs with the Knicks or any other team other than the ones I just mentioned. You can do the field for 500. Griggs, if I ask you right now where LeBron is going to sign, what do you say? Wow, it's a, it's a revolving door. Like this week, I feel like LA might be the best, like, like the odds say. But then it's like next week something else could happen and it could be Philly. It could be, it's weird. Right now, I say Lakers, but that's just right now. And supposedly LeBron is only going to take meetings with the Lakers, the Sixers. Uh, I think he might meet with the Clippers out of respect to, to Jerry West. Yeah. The Rockets, because CP3 is there, right. even though CP3 is a free agent. So don't forget, CP3 and LeBron could go play somewhere else other than Houston, right? Like they could, they're not going to go to the Clippers because CP3 is not going to go back no. to the Clippers. But they could go somewhere else if they want to get the banana boat crew together. Um, it's going to be interesting. If I had to bet right now, I think these odds are right. Mm-hmm. I think Jeannie Buss is a great owner. She's a player's owner. Yep. And I think what this one comes down to for LeBron, it's not so much I want to be in L.A. to do business. I want to win a championship with the Lakers. I think his kids and his family, if you said, where can you live in the country? They want to live in L.A. They have yeah. two houses there. I think they want to grow up there. They want to go to the beach. They have friends there. I think they're going to want to swim in their pool more. Like I, I think they want to be in L.A. Yeah. And I think when he goes to his family and says, all right, wife and kids, where do you guys want to be going forward? I think they're going to go, you know what, Dad? We want to go live in our houses in L.A. And I think that's what it's going to come down to. I know this has been rumored for a long time. I don't think Jeannie Buss and Magic Johnson are going to hurt the recruitment at all. As a matter of fact, I think it's going to be a powerful pitch by them. Um, I guess if you don't want to pay state income taxes and, and Harden and CP3 decide they want to get you to Houston, you know, that could always be powerful. And then, you know, the interesting connection with Philadelphia is that Ben Simmons is represented by, uh, LeBron's agency, basically, Clutch Sports. So does he want to go play with Ben Simmons and 
Joel Embiid and trust the process and stay in the East, right, where it's mm-hmm. a much easier path to get to the finals than it is through the West, where you've got to go through Golden State and potentially Houston if you sign with the Lakers. So it'll be interesting. We'll keep our eyes on this. All right, coming up next, Wayne Sieve, who is the EVP for Thuz. They're doing some really fascinating things in the world of technology and in the digital media space. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio is sponsored by Boingo Wireless, the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. Today's sports fans expect strong, fast mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. Research shows that fans will leave at halftime if they cannot get connected, which is part of the reason why professional and collegiate sports venues alike work with Boingo to manage their wireless networks. As the world's leading connectivity expert, Boingo knows how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. They are the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless service so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Boingo designs, installs, and manages Wi-Fi and cellular networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Soldier Field, Phillips Arena, and Vivint Smart Home Arena. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports, led by companies like Boingo. Boingo connects you to the people and things you love, like sports. For more information, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. Bringing you up to speed on the latest breakthroughs in the world of sports. Let's enter the Technology Lab. My guest is Wayne Sieve. He is the executive vice president of a company called Thuz. You can find them on Twitter at Thuz, and that's T-H-U-U-Z. And their website is Thuz.com, T-H-U-U-Z.com. Wayne, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So let's start by talking about your career. Uh, we like to do that with the executives on this show. And I'm in Portland, Oregon. Right down the way from me in Eugene at the University of Oregon is the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center, one of the best sports business programs in the country. And you went to school there, and you were part of that first class, right? Yeah, yeah, that was a ton of fun. That was uh, way back in the mid-'90s. As the, the digital media revolution was starting to take off, and I was part of their first graduating class in the with the MBA program to have a specialty in sports marketing. So it was amazing exposure uh, to to be involved in some of the curriculum uh, that was there, but but also really to be part of the uh, the exposure to the other leagues and teams and media networks and and everything. And there was it was the only school at the time that had that. So you know it was it was a real exciting time for me you've been involved in the evolution of media in many aspects where else have you been before you got to Thuz? and then i want to talk about how you wound up at Thuz. sure yeah i mean the first 10 years of my career were spent in advertising and sales and marketing for more traditional businesses before i jumped into the digital media landscape with yahoo back in 2000, where I, I started with Yahoo Sports and ran business development, and I was essentially handed the keys to the sports relationships that came with the Broadcast.com acquisition, which was incredibly exciting for me because I had always found that broadcast medium uh, and the entire broadcast media industry to really be fascinating. Um, and at this time, Yahoo and the other major sites and portals were on our way to disrupting the print medium. And the streaming side of things was re- really mostly geared towards streaming radio, because the infrastructure really wasn't mature enough yet to stream video at any decent quality, though even at eleven at a three hundred k, it was still fun to stream a live game video broadcast. I remember you know streaming Missouri hoops um, back in geez, I don't know two thousand one two thousand two uh, on a three hundred k connection, which really looked more like a flickering slideshow, <laughs> but it was still fun. It was exciting to stream a live game video broadcast because you knew it was eventually going to revolutionize the broadcast medium. Um, then after Yahoo, I, I spent some time um, at Ustream running sports, spent a few years there, and other content verticals before setting off my own to start an online sports network called Eversport. And I had initially met initially met Warren Packard the food CEO and founder during my time at Eversport, and we were looking for a solution to produce short-form content from the 8,000 live game rights that we had. So 
Warren and I kept in touch over the years, and he convinced me to come work with him starting last summer. And to be honest, it was it was pretty easy to be convinced once I saw his latest version of the automated highlights production platform because it it, it frankly blew me away. Um, there's a lot of folks who've taken a swing at creating an automated highlights platform, and um, most of them have been kind of a a foul ball at best. And um, and I'd say even Thu's first effort uh, needed some marination on it. And once I saw the second one, I was like, wow, that is, that's pretty special. So, and Warren's just a great guy to work with. So we have a ton of fun working together. So explain to our audience what Thu's is and what you do. I know you just kind of hit on it a little bit, but for instance, I know around this World Cup, you guys have created the World Cup highlight machine with Fox Sports. Tell us how that works and then give us a little bit more background into Thu's. Sure, yeah. So we've developed a a data science and methodology at measuring game excitement, which on its own, I think, sounds, it sounded to me at first kind of quirky when Warren told me about it. I thought, well, how do you do that? Right. Um, And we do this by ingesting an enormous amount of data from audio, video, betting data, play-by-play, social, a variety of other types of data, 14 or 15 different types of data. And we analyze every moment of every play by every player create a subjective mapping of excitement and by subjective i mean from the vantage point of the home fan away fan or neutral fan and this is this metadata mapping this dna of excitement of a match is really what powers our products um and so this relationship with fox um really came about we had had a relationship with them for a couple of years and we started a relationship with ibm as well um last fall um, around this opportunity uh, to build what's called the, the Fox Sports World Cup Highlight Machine. And it's it's really an incredible product. I don't think anything like it has existed before where fans can create their own single match or multi-game highlight reels by selecting any World Cup year, team, player, match, and play type. And we'll render a custom highlight reel on the fly. And there are literally trillions of custom combinations that can be made, which speaks to the power of, of what we're doing on the back end. Um, and as part of this, we, we processed uh, part of the highlights machine product experience prior to the cup. Uh, we processed over 300 archived matches provided by FIFA going back to 1958. Uh, and, you know, to measure the subjective excitement and we're doing this for the live matches as well. So when a user or a fan comes in, they can create any custom query and the results can not only go back into the past matches, uh, some of the matches that are black and white, even some of the early matches with Brazil didn't even have sound uh, attached to it. Um, but but that's the best that FIFA has. Uh, but those highlight reels will include past and current matches. So it's really a, a unique product. That's crazy. So are you using AI to help with all of this? Exactly. Yeah, that's that uh, that's what we're bringing to the table and and numerical modeling using predictive records and and uh, and really kind of bringing some serious uh, horsepower, some software and intellectual horsepower um, to render all of this on the fly. And it's it's been a really fun relationship um, with IBM to build this out and and just to see the reaction. And not only from Fox, but from ourselves. Like, we've had so much fun building this product. And I, I just think it's such a cool product. So, for instance, Mexico beat Germany. Big upset. And if you type in Mexico, within seconds, via the Fox Sports World Cup highlight machine, I can be looking at 36 videos of Mexico, not only from this World Cup, but from past years. Is that how that works? Yeah. You can go in. You can select Mexico. Um, and so let me go do that now and then select, uh, yeah, there's, uh, I see 37 total highlights. I'm guessing the, the most recent one has come in. You can select any player that's played for Mexico, any of the matches they've played in, um, as well as any play type. If you wanted to see corner kicks or red cards, oh my or, God, uh, shots on goal, you could get really any amalgamation of that. And, and filter it all together to create your own custom highlight reel. And you can share that on social. And it's what's also really cool about it is it's a living 
sort of organic query. So if I create a query that says Mexico shots on goal, all World Cups, and I share that on Facebook as new events that would qualify for that occur in this current World Cup, that query I created today will automatically update itself. The one that's living on Facebook, that will automatically update itself uh, to, to include the more recent plays. So here's the bigger question, and I know you work with people beyond just Fox Sports and IBM, but, I mean, this is something all of the leagues, all of the TV networks could potentially use as a tool, and it gives us, the fan, the user, the ability to put together a highlight reel of exactly what we want, when we want it, in a matter of of seconds. Isn't that where we're going with this? I think so. I mean, I think, you know, short form, as we've kind of known it today, is what we found on YouTube or, you know, or other video platforms. But I think this is really where it's going to be going in the future, um, creating short form, allowing fans to have greater engagement, um, to create their own experiences, to share what they're doing, to have more fun with it. Uh, and it's really important to things during a live match in particular, uh, with something we call catch up to live, uh, where you can come in and, um, in the midpoint of a match and, and create a highlight reel to see what you've missed, um, and get all the context from, say, you've walked into, uh, or you tuned into a soccer game and it's two to one and there's five minutes left in the first half. Uh, catch up to live will enable you to have from the, moment of the opening kickoff to that point, we can give you a highlight reel of 90 seconds, two minutes, three minutes, whatever you'd like. Um, so those types of use cases and instances, as well as the types where fans get to have fun uh, creating their own highlight reels, I think really are, we're going to start to see a lot more of that. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. And it's a good thing that ZipRecruiter works with the NHL's Washington Capitals because they're going to need help finding a new head coach after Caps head coach Barry Trotz resigned this week after leading the team to their first Stanley Cup in franchise history. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. With results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR, ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. You know, I have a 13 and a half year old daughter and, you know, the younger generation, they consume everything on their mobile device, whether it's their phone, their iPad. And they also are used to having everything on demand, whether it's I want to order food on demand, I want tickets on demand, whatever it is, it's all on demand. So this product seems to fit like right in with that target audience. And I always tell people, you know, not only do you want to focus on the fans now, but you want to focus on the fans in the future. And, you know, the millennials, you have to look at their habits because this is how they consume. And, and you seem to have developed something that's like right up their alley. Yeah, I think so. I, I think, you know, all ages can have fun with this, but especially, as you mentioned, the millennials, the new generations are looking at things quite differently than perhaps you and I did or my parents or your parents did. Uh, we don't just sit down, it's 2 o'clock, the game starts, let's sit down for three or four hours and watch it. Uh, in, you know, on the couch in front of the TV, that's, that's kind of old school. Um, you want to engage wherever you are, whenever you are, and you want to do it on your terms. You don't want to have to be programmed too. You want to be able to watch the program when you want to watch it, uh, and where and how. And I think certain features uh, really help facilitate that. 
including, you know, catch up to live. We have other things like uh, in measuring excitement, we have tune-in notifications, and that's understanding how exciting is a game. Once it gets to a certain threshold, let's just say an 85 out of 100, with 50 being an average in excitement, uh, we can send a notification saying, hey, Brian, this game right here is becoming very exciting. You may want to check it out. In fact, here's a two-minute catch-up to live so you can see what you've missed. It's wow. a no-header. It's the eighth inning. Uh, you maybe want to check this out now. So you can really, I think, engage more audiences and, by giving them all the context they need. And an excitement rating and a headline, which we meet machine produce headlines, again, from the vantage point of home away or neutral fans to make sure you're, you're providing the right context for their interest. And then giving them a quick highlight reel to catch them up. Um, the more quickly you can engage them as a sports programmer, the more apt they are to stick around and watch the rest of it. So, so I think channel surfing is one of those things where, you know, we're looking for something interesting. But if you could be in, in, in one minute, if I could tell you everything you've missed and a quick summary of what's going on and tell you that it's a great game, uh, chances are you're going to stick around more. Now, everything you've just described is is outstanding, but you're kind of the company behind some of the bigger brands, the Fox Sports, the IBMs, you know, some of the TV networks you work with. How do you generate publicity for yourself or let people know that you exist and you have these capabilities? Because the outsider may just go, wow, that's really cool that Fox Sports is doing that, but they don't know that Thuz is behind it. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, uh, we're the man behind the man, as you say. It's, um, we're a B2B. We're not consumer-facing. We initially were um, before I got here years ago. Um, uh, there was an interest in creating more of a consumer-facing experience, and there was a Thu's mobile app. Um, but it, it's been understood that really the best role that we play is to work with the major brands who do create these consumer-facing experiences, who have more capabilities at doing so. Um, and so if fans know us, if consumers know us, it's really not as important as if um, those constituents in the business ecosystem know us. And so, you know, we certainly are out there doing doing things like this, uh, attending uh, various uh, events and, and helping get the word out. But it's, you know, it also it helps that we've been in this space. I've been in the sports business since 1996. And so um, it's, it is largely a relationship business. And when you get in touch with folks and you say, hey, this is what we do, and you kind of lay your wares on the table, it's pretty easy to see um, something that we can do together. And it's been really fun actually talking to various folks, companies or other media about um, this World Cup highlights machine because it it really kind of has its own impact and its own wow factor and people look at it and say well that's I could absolutely see something like this like I was talking to a, a collegiate conference a power five conference uh, yesterday and walking them through this and they were like that's amazing I could absolutely see something like this being completely applicable to what we do for our team coverage uh, for the sports within our schools for the current games and the archive games. And so um, that's, I think, where, where the, kind of the, the fun road is ahead and um, this thing kind of sells itself. So do you think you target the content providers or do you think you target like the leagues and the, the entities themselves or is it a combination of both? I, I think it's really a combination of both. I mean, we work with uh, broadcasters. We work with leagues. We actually have a relationship with the NFL. Um, where they um, license our excitement ratings, and it's it's for a different type of uh, purpose for them. It's not as much to create a fan experience, but it is more to understand the fan experience, to see where um, fans get interested, to have a better understanding on officiating and the impact and um, things like that. So while we're not directly creating a fan experience, we are giving the league uh, insights that help them decide what types of changes or modifications they might they may want to consider and how their product is uh, no, is run. Not asking for specific details, but we do have a lot of people who work in sports who listen to this show. 
if someone is interested in your product, is it a licensing play? Is it annual subscription? How do you work with your your partners on something like this? Yeah, it's generally licensing. Um, you know, our focus is not to create uh, the consumer um, uh, relationship in, in terms of we're not we're not going direct to consumer. We're going to create products. We're going to create data. Um, or insights or a, pl- a software platform that enables sports programmers and content owners uh, to go directly to the consumer. So uh, for us, it's, it's excitement ratings, headlines, and notifications, which have a use in creating programming guides. So some you know, folks like DirecTV and Dish, um, Hulu, and others license this information to create a more contextually interesting and contextually relevant programming guide. You also use that information, excitement rating insights, as an example for those OTT networks that have uh, content that they're selling direct to consumer. Uh, we've seen uh, those license this information so they know what content to market and what content they shouldn't market. Um, you should you should market those games that are truly exciting or are expected to be exciting, and we can we go out and predict a couple weeks in advance. Um, here's what this game is expected to be, and then we'll do it real time, and then we'll give a uh, an, a post match uh, uh, overall excitement rating. Um, but to tell marketers what content you should market and what content you shouldn't market, um, based on the level of excitement, with the belief that a more exciting game is going to have a higher conversion rate and thus a better ROI. Um, and so for us, yeah, it's all licensing. Uh, we license it out. Um, on, and on the highlight production piece, um, generally um, on a per event uh, basis. But, you know, we'll look at the overall um, aspect of what the relationship entails. Is it something we already cover? Is this a, a high-volume play? What's going on? But um, we haven't haven't found any, any um, stumbling blocks, really, that prevent us from working with anybody. And it's been pretty pretty straightforward to create more of a licensing relationship. Last question for you. You mentioned earlier you've worked at Yahoo. You've been in the digital media space for a long time. I'm always interested when I have someone like you on the show to talk about the change between digital rights and broadcast rights. Because to me, those two things seem to be like kind of moving in different directions. Not that the TV rights are going to drop drastically, but again, if you look at the millennials and how they're consuming and look the, at the fact that they're consuming on digital, it seems like digital rights, whether it's the NFL, NBA, or, or otherwise, those rights fees are going up and up and up and up, and I only see that increasing in the future. Is that kind of how you see things going as well? Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately for those who buy content, I don't think that's going to change. Uh, it used to be, you know, back when I first started licensing digital rights, uh, you know, with Yahoo Sports back in 2000, uh, they were carved out, and I guess they were only carved out because they were unknown. Um, they weren't even identified specifically in some of those licensing agreements, and oftentimes, you know, I would have the license to certain programming and then the TV network thought they had it as well. And realistically, we both did because the license agreements didn't really carve them out. Um, today, everything is really understood and, and the Internet is really just a vehicle for distribution. Um, those rights are getting packaged up together. So it's it's very clear um, what's what. And now there are there's a whole new pool of bidders. It's not just traditional broadcasters. It's Amazon, Twitter. Uh, Verizon, Facebook, uh, you know, that's just mentioning those in the States. Uh, there's a whole, whole host of other broadcasters out there that create um, that demand pool. Uh, there's other rights that are out there. There's live, there's, there's catch up to live, there's other short form, uh, there's the various windows. And now there's even the different types of use cases, especially now with that recent legislation um, by the Supreme Court, uh, enabling the states to figure out if they want to create betting opportunities or not, and so far to have jumped in right away, New Jersey and Delaware. So um, I think the use case, as you see it in Europe, you're going to start seeing it here as well. And that's just going to create uh, more revenue opportunities for those who own the content. And so um, I think it's only going to get more and more competitive and the prices are only going to continue to go up. 
Well, Wayne, as usual with you, you are on to something very big, in my opinion. Wayne Sieve, the executive vice president of Thuz. Again, you can find them on Twitter at T-H-U-U-Z or visit their website at T-H-U-U-Z dot com, Thuz dot com. Wayne, great to catch up. Really excited for you. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Brian. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Bringing you the biggest names in sports business. Without further ado, we all know this gentleman. Let's give David Stern a big round of applause. Let's welcome the president of the NCAA, Mark Emmert. Give him a hand. Let's give a big hand to USC alum and co-owner of the Lakers and president of the Lakers, Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. Thank you so, so much for having me, Brian. It was very, very kind, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you, sir. Sir Charles, how are you? I'm doing good, man. How you doing this morning? Today's guest is Memphis Grizzlies head coach David Fisdale. You're the man, Barrett. My guest is tennis icon Chris Everett. It was very interesting. You asked great questions, so thank you very much, Brian. Pleased to welcome to the show Kyrie Irving, the number one pick in the 2011 NBA draft. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm happy to be joined by Pete Carroll, the executive VP of football operations and the head football coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Coach, how are you? Doing good. What's going on? Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at boingo. I want to welcome ZipRecruiter to our family of sponsors. Again, really happy to have them on board. My listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. Happy to have them on board. Thanks to our friends at MKTG. You can find them on Twitter at MKTG. Their website is MKTG.com. They're a global lifestyle marketing agency, 33 offices in 19 countries, a leading sports sponsorship and activation agency. Make sure to check them out at mktg.com. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Go to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. We're rated in the top 50 business news podcasts. You can also find our show on Audio Boom via the TuneIn Radio and Stitcher apps, and, of course, at sportsbusinessradio.com. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB Radio. Follow us on Instagram at sportsbusinessradio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. 